Thank you very much. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you're in church today? Hallelujah. It's just great to be together and raise a hallelujah. And thinking about that 40-year celebration you just recently had, I wish Heidi and I could have personally been here. But uh, we thank God so much for your pastors, Mark and Brenda. My, what great gifts to the body of Christ. Great friends to Heidi and I. And uh, I was just thinking about... uh, you know what God's done in them and through them and you all as a congregation all these years it just makes my heart happy I was looking at my phone I keep a little record where I preach in America through the years and I first preached at Heart of the Bay in 1989 so for 33 years I've been preaching amen it's a wonderful journey with you all and so what's that now to God be the glory. Amen. I was looking at the little picture of Pastor Mark and Brenda, and of course the boys when they were young. I've noticed Brenda has not aged a bit, but Mark. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, God's good. But uh, let's just lift our hands once more. Thank you, Father. We receive your love today. Thank you for every person in this place. Those in the house, in the sanctuary, those at home, those watching on live stream. We bless everyone today with the love of God in Christ. Father, thank you for a living word. Let it uh, deeply settle in our hearts today. And let us uh, be equipped today with the promises you have for us. We thank you for meeting every need of every person in this place. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated if you can. Hallelujah. Just want to say thanks again for the privilege of allowing Heidi and I and the teams of Mutual Faith to be an extension of your love and life in the nations of the world. Mutual Faith continues to march on. We're actually building right now. I should have brought some pictures. I didn't. But uh, building the retreat at Victory Lane, it's looking beautiful uh, in the Philippines where we're going to be training and equipping village leaders there on our campus, uh, the Mutual Faith Life Center campus there. We have the orphanages and uh, all the training schools and different things happening, but we're excited about the physical structure of the retreat at Victory Lane. And then, of course, in the Middle East at our center in Lebanon, where your pastors have been with me. Uh, what, what amazing chaos and pain and headache and heartache still unfolding there. But the gospel is being presented and being preached. And that's the joy really for all of our hearts. That in the midst of the difficult circumstances that life has. Like, like we started the worship set today. The worship service. That you know you and I we can believe the report of the Lord. We don't have to subscribe to world system thinking world system ways of doing we subscribe to the report of the lord which is the lamb of god which is jesus the christ so what i'd like to do this morning is put something in your heart really going to make you happy what i'd like to do is give you an invitation to everything you've ever wanted an invitation to everything you've ever wanted you know i was thinking today I flew this morning from Burbank to Oakland and, and I got an early flight and uh, Brother Stephen picked me up, my beloved brother, and we just fellowshiped around the world all, uh, the word all the way here and just had a good time. But you know, I always like to be in the company of people that stir my spirit. And sometimes an invitation can stir your spirit. 
you think about today, you know, there's the finals, maybe it's over by now, of Wimbledon, the championships uh, this weekend. There's big golf championships. Think of recently, a couple of three, four weeks ago, the, the NBA championship. Wouldn't you love to have a, a, a ticket, an invitation to game six, you know, to watch the Warriors play or something? All of us have different imaginations of where we'd like to be. Some of you might be a invitation to a famous, uh, you know, wedding of somebody, you know, world-renowned or something, uh, invitation to a great uh, restaurant or, or whatever it is. But how about if I gave you an invitation to everything you ever wanted? This is what you and I have access to in Christ Jesus. The believer has access to everything you've ever wanted in Christ. You have an invitation. So I want to I wanna show you uh, this morning... A few things of how you get there, how you get in, how you gain really what your heart's after. So follow along with me. I'll have different scriptures that we go through. They'll be on the screens, most of them. And uh, I know you're really, really going to enjoy the day. So, Father, thank you for the privilege of being together. Thank you for the living word. Let every heart receive the joy of the word uh, expressed in a physical sense in each of our lives. We thank you that every need of every person is met in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go with me in your Bible, if you would, please, to Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. I'm going to read this entire story. It's 12 verses, but this is going to set everything up for what I want to teach today. It says, And again, Jesus entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that Jesus was in the house. You know, it's good news when you hear that Jesus is in the house. The living word, Jesus, the Lamb of God, is, can take up space where you are. Jesus was in the house. Verse 2 goes on to say, immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And Jesus, the living word, preached the written word or the, the spoken word to them. He preached the word. The living word delivers the word. And, and, and this is the key to get where you want to go or to gain what you really are after. You've got to receive the word. This is why church and uh, environments like worship services like this should, should be a priority. You, you, you should cast down every kind of imagination that keeps you away from an environment of hearing and receiving a living word. Because the living word is really the, 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 the access point to everything you, you, you really need or want. Verse uh, 3 goes on to say this, They came to Jesus bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. So entering the scene was somebody who's paralyzed. Most of us understand paralysis. Sometimes I've been so filled with fear I could hardly move or could hardly think. Recently I was uh, at, we have a retreat called the Retreat at... Uh, the retreat at Miller's Landing where I host pastors and people and I was there hosting some, uh, getting ready to host some people and, and uh, I was in front of a little wood-burning stove and uh, uh, I was, it, was, it, was, it was in the early, early uh, spring, late winter, early spring and I was having a fire and uh, I would take the ashes out. For hours I would sit there and just think and meditate, pray, get ready to receive these, these pastors that were coming in and uh, and then I would take all the ash out of this wood burning stove and put in this metal metal five gallon con- you know uh, bucket really 
and these ash would cool down for, you know, a couple days or whatever. And uh, I put some ashes in there that hadn't fully cooled down. And I thought they were cooled down, and I just threw them outside. Uh, in Little Woods, went back in, sat in front of the fire. And, you know, about 30 minutes later, I saw billows of smoke all over and high winds blowing right at my little, you know, cottage, cabin, whatever you want to call it. And I, I, I wanted to call the fire department, but I was paralyzed in my mind. I, I could, I could, I had my phone in my hand and couldn't find my phone. You know what I mean? The, the, the phone was in my hand and I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to dial 911. And so I finally, I finally got there. You know, it felt like an eternity. And I was like, I was, I was thinking, I'm going to burn the entire retreat down, you know. So all these fire trucks showed up. And it's a little village. It's on a lake. It's, uh, and uh, all these firemen that came and put my mess out, the fire out. And then the fire uh, captain of the village, he says, uh, you know, Mr. Hershey, he said, I've got to report this. And your insurance company's going to going to charge you a fee and these kind of things it's going to go i said okay but he said you could you could get out of me reporting this if you give a donation to help us get equipment that you need for the fire so i said well i'll, I'll give the donation you know so <laughs> i i my 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 foolishness cost me five hundred dollars you know that day but we helped buy some equipment. Hallelujah, you know. And the firemen needed a little practice from some, someone, don't you think? So I, I gave them. But anyway, you know, um, it's interesting that we can get paralyzed. Paralyzed in our thinking. Where it's like we don't know how to believe. We don't know how to receive. So this guy he was paralyzed. He's carried by four. Verse four goes on to say. When they could not come near Jesus because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where Jesus was. And when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralyzed man was lying. So think about this. The living word is preaching the word and the roof opens and it's torn apart and they have a breakthrough and a break in and they let down a guy who's paralyzed. Now, Jesus was sharp enough to know what the guy, you know, was really after. He wanted to be whole. So let's go what the next verse says. Jesus saw their faith. You know, faith is something you, that's, that's visible. Faith is discernible. Faith is something you can perceive. Faith is something that quickens within you and you know it's present. Jesus saw faith. He perceived this paralyzed guy had what was needed for him to gain what he wanted. But look what happens. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the guy who is paralyzed, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Now, that's kind of astonishing. What a response. Jesus knew what he wanted, but instead of giving him what he wanted, Jesus gave him what he needed. God wants to give you what you need so he can grant you what you want. And what you need is the revelation of the finished work of Jesus. What you need is the revelation that your sins have been forgiven you. Amen. So Jesus gave the guy what he needed, and he didn't give him what he wanted. What he wanted was to be healed. Jesus saw he was paralyzed. This is what he wanted, but he didn't give him what he wanted. He gave him what he needed. Don't get too uh, uh, distracted 
with, 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 with what you want. Stay established in what God knows you need. Because if you can stay established in what you know God wants you to have, you're going to position yourself to receive what you really want. But you've got to be positioned in righteousness. You've got to be positioned in the revelation that your sins have been forgiven you. So let's go on in the story. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed dude, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Verse 6. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Verse 7. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? You know what makes people mad the most? is declarations or announcements of the truth of what God has done for you in Christ. As a reality, your sins be forgiven you. It's just an announcement and it got everybody all worked up. You know, religious people and religious mindsetted people always want you to jump through a lot of hoops to prove that you can receive something. But Jesus pre-approved you to receive everything. Jesus did the work, and the gospel is the announcement of what God has done already for you in Christ. Your sins be forgiven you. Now, why is this important? Because God doesn't want you to live in this life with condemnation. You know, the Bible teaches that there is therefore now no condemnation. To those who are in Christ. When you take your place by faith, a righteousness that is by faith, in Him. When you move your, your identity to be in Christ, your sins have been forgiven you. And you can come to the place where you have no more consciousness of sin. Where you don't have sin consciousness. And you can believe that your sins have been forgiven you and it will position yourself to receive. You know why a lot of people can't receive? Because they're always beating themselves over the head that they're not good enough. They're not moral enough. They were naughty. They did something wrong. They said something wrong. I'll tell you what, even to this day, it's amazing the way the enemy works in my little mindset about what I didn't do right, what I said I shouldn't have said, what, you know, these little things and tries to build condemnation into your life. And he'll, he'll bring it up for, for months and years and decades. And you've got to come to the place and say, no, my sins have been forgiven me. It's a done deal. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And now I'm positioned to receive really what I'm after. God wants to give you what you need so he can grant you what you want. And, and, and what you wanted was healing and wholeness. Why does this man speak? Blasphemies like this. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 8. Immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you receive, uh, reason about these things? Verse 9. What is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins be forgiven you or are forgiven you? Or to say, Rise. Take up your bed and walk. See, that's what he was after. He got what he was after, but first he had to be positioned in what God knew he needed. Verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic. I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go into your house. Verse 12. Immediately he arose, he took up his bed and went out from the presence of them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God saying... We never saw anything like this. What a wild scenario. 
Here this man's let through the roof because of the crowd, because the living word's preaching the word, but the, but the living word spoke a revelation to position himself to receive. You have to live as a believer with a revelation that your sins are forgiven you. Then position yourself before the Father by faith to receive what you need. You know, I was thinking, Pastor Tom, talking about throwing out the nuts and bolts. I felt prompted. I need to invite him to my house. Hallelujah. Amen. Just come and help me clean my garage. Hallelujah. He can clean my garage and help clean Heidi's closet. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I can preach strong and powerful when she's not here. Hallelujah. Glory. (laughs) But you know... But, you know, sometimes we do live scared. We, we, we live, we live uh, full of fear and we hold on to things in our lives that really shouldn't hold us anymore. And one thing that holds us down is the revelation that we don't walk in enough the truth of our redemption. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, I want to show you something that's really kind of cool. Jesus will give you what you need before he grants you what you want. And he's going to give you the truth of your redemption. Jesus wants you established in righteousness. So you have no more condemnation. And you have no more sin consciousness or consciousness of sin. This is the truth concerning you. Believe so you can receive what you want. Believe properly. Right believing. That your sins are forgiven you. And like I say, religion, these religious leaders in Jesus' day, they got all worked up about it. And today you get the same scenario. When you announce to people the truth, your sins be forgiven you. It, it makes people frustrated. Because most people can only believe that can be a reality if people jump through enough hoops to prove it. But it was proven in Christ. Somebody say amen. This is the beautiful thing about you and I as covenant kids believing and receiving what God has for us in Christ. Jesus wants you to be established in righteousness. As he is, so are you. That's what it says in 1 John four seventeen. You are right now as righteous as Jesus. You really are. You've received his life. You've received his nature. You know, he became what you were so you can become what he is. He became sin, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He became sin. He took our sin so that we might be made or we might become righteous. The righteousness of God in Christ. It's a beautiful thing. He who knew no sin became sin. You who were a sinner became righteous. And it's all by faith. Faith, righteousness, or the righteousness that is by faith. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. Hebrews 8, verse 12. There's five things actually in this passage that highlight a new covenant believer. Very powerful, but this is just one of them. He says, I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness. No, this is God speaking. This is what God has done for you in Christ. He's merciful to your unrighteousness. He's merciful to it. He's merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins. That's my sins and your sins. Their sins and their lawless deeds. My lawless deeds and your lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Now you can either choose to believe it or believe he's got all kinds of things against you. I choose to believe what he did in Christ. That my sins and my lawless deeds... 
He will remember no more. I believe that he announced over me my sins have been forgiven me. Why? Because I want an invitation to everything I ever wanted. And I find it by taking my, 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 my place really in him, in the righteousness of Jesus. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. It says, To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he had made us accepted in the beloved. This is one of my favorite verses. I, I use that term beloved, you know, which is really of Jesus, but you and I are the beloved. You know, the early church was announced they were the beloved many, many times in the epistles. But here's, here's the thing. To be beloved, you just have to be loved. And that's why I focus a lot of my teaching on preaching to people the radical love of God in Christ and teach people how just be loved. Take your place there. God made you accepted there. You didn't have to qualify. You didn't have to do nothing to get there except believe it. Let Jesus announce over to you, you are accepted in the beloved. Okay, he made us. He made it that way. He made us accepted in the beloved. Verse 7, this is what I want to talk about. Verse 7, in him, Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. According to your confession of your sins. No. According to the riches of grace. Notice the forgiveness of sins is just what, what God in Christ has done for you. Jesus did it all. It's not up to you. It was up to him. And it's all according to the riches of his grace. Think about this paralyzed brother. <laughs> he, he, he's let down in the house. And Jesus says his sins are forgiven. And he didn't even ask his sins to be forgiven. He didn't even confess his sins. He didn't even say, how, what a dirty, rotten, low-down, good-for-nothing bum I've been. No, he didn't do nothing. But yet Jesus... Wanted to get his mindset to a place where there's no condemnation. So faith can function in the love of the Father. Faith works by the love of the Father. So Jesus announced something dramatic because Jesus knew what he needed. He needed the revelation that his sins are forgiven. Why? So he can gain what he wanted, which was healing. And Jesus made the announcement, your sins be forgiven you. Did it happen? I believe it did because Jesus said so. I believe his sins were forgiven him when Jesus announced it. Why were they? Why or how could they be forgiven? According to the riches of Jesus's grace. See, this is how radically God loves you. This is how powerful the gospel can be for you. And if you can believe it, It'll position you to gain an invitation to everything you ever wanted. Everything this brother ever wanted was healing. And you know what? The story said he took up his bed and said adios. He was out of there, huh? He walked away from the scene victorious with what he wanted because he was establishing what he needed. And so you and I have to always live with a consciousness that Jesus provided a perfect work to perfect us. And our sins have been forgiven us. Go with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3, uh, we're going to... Well, let's just start in verse 5 for the... Or no, verse 3. Galatians 3, verse 3, or... Or, or, or actually, verse 1. Galatians 3, verse 1. Do we have that? O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth... 
before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. That's the message we preach. Verse 2. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? In other words, your obedience to do the law. Or did you receive it by the hearing of faith? Which is Jesus. The faith of Jesus. Verse 3. Are you so foolish? Do you begin in the spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Your own capacity, your own ability. Verse 4. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Verse 5. Therefore he supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Verse 6. Or is it... I guess we're we're finished in verse 5. There's no... uh, he, he uh, just as Abraham, believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So your, your faith in, 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 in Jesus establishes the revelation your sins are forgiven and you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And God does everything now on your behalf by the hearing of faith. Not your obedience to the law. God communicates with you now through the inward man. He communicates with you in your spirit. You know, um, God doesn't really communicate with you through your body. He doesn't communicate with you just through your mind. He communicates with you in your, in your, in your spirit, in your, in your inner man. And this is where the revelation of righteousness needs to be established in your spirit, that your spirit is recreated, that your spirit is filled with the nature of God. And then we take time to renew our mind to the truth of what we believe we hold in our heart because God works with you and communicates with you to the believer through the inward man. In fact, this is what Proverbs 20 verse 27 says. The spirit of man is the lamp or the candle of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of the heart. This is where you hear the truth about who you are it's in your spirit and even like jesus said in john 4 he said you know god is spirit those who worship him worship him in spirit and worship him in truth but you and i have to come to the place where we let god speak to our spirit that our sins are forgiven it may not feel like it you know we 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 have to believe the truth that our spirit man is recreated Renew our mind to the reality of our redemption and let it live out and in, in, in be expressed in our physical or our natural bodies. Go with me to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3 verses 4 through 8. It says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly, abundantly, abundantly. He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly. Say that with me, affirm constantly. I want you to affirm constantly. Affirm constantly. These are the truths of redemption that you have to affirm constantly. You know, everybody in our culture today wants to be affirmed in what they think they are, right? 
so in our culture, everybody lives by their feeling, or I feel like this, or I feel like that. I identify this today. I identify like whatever. And they want you to affirm what they feel or what they think about themselves. But for the believer, for the new covenant Christian, what we affirm is the truth of what we are in a spirit. God communicates us to us in our spirit, and this is what we affirm constantly. This is why, for me, if I'm going to get an invitation to everything I ever wanted, it's always established in the righteousness of Jesus. So these things Titus talks about concerning this massive mercy that's been given to me in the beautiful abundance that God has poured out on me, the lavish love of God, the redemptive work of Jesus. I affirm it constantly. By saying to myself, my sins have been forgiven. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And the reason I do that is because my mind fights with me. It traps me in this natural system. And my body sometimes has other emotional uh, thoughts or characteristics or qualities that sometimes resist the truth of what I'm trying, trying to hold on to. And so I have to constantly affirm these things. And, you know, Jesus, you know, people say, well, Jesus would affirm anybody and everybody. Well, Jesus loved everybody. But Jesus didn't affirm what people thought of themselves or what people did. He, 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 he would love people and help people and deliver people. But he'd tell the people, hey, now go and sin no more. He, 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 would, he would speak to people when they could receive and, and digest the truth. Not everybody could receive and digest the truth. Just like the religious leaders when he announced your sins, be forgiven. They couldn't get it. And it ticked him off. It made him mad. But, but when, people, when the love of God grips you and grabs you, you can come to the place where you affirm these things. And this is why for a believer that's struggling, if you're struggling in the flesh in any area... And you don't think you're going to receive, let's say, healing or you're not going to receive help in your home or marriage or, let's say, increase or abundance or something at your job or whatever. Listen, everything has to be established in the truth of what God knows you need. And that's what you have to affirm constantly. This redemptive truth of what's um, talked about here in Titus. It says again in verse This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you, I want you, I want you to affirm constantly. I want you to affirm constantly. That's why I tell myself, God loves me completely. Every day I tell myself that. And I try to get my head aligned with my heart and believe it so I can live it out. Because life's full of hardship and pain and situations and circumstances that are contrary to where I believe I've been invited to. I've been invited to the good life. Hallelujah. I've been invited to the, uh, the abundant life, the blessed life. And so have you. But the way you get an invitation to everything you wanted, you're established in the truth of redemption. And this is a beautiful thing. So you affirm these things constantly. And those who have believed in God should also be careful to make good works. And these things are good and profitable to You know what I find when I affirm the truth of redemption in my spirit and renew it in my mind constantly? I find myself doing good things. I find good works just part of my daily life. I I find a kindness in me that's not always necessarily there. You know, uh, I have moments where if I'm not affirming the truth of who I am in Christ, I can act. Pretty, 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 pretty carnal. None of you can relate to that. This is why I like you all so very much. But, you know, 
I've, I've, I've had my moments through the years. And uh, God's always been merciful to me. But even when I trip up, when I fall, you know, the Bible calls us saints. New covenant. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. Your sins have been forgiven you. You're a saint who sometimes sins. Right? You're not a sinner, though. You're a saint. Sin is in your flesh. Sin not in your spirit. Your spirit's recreated with the life of God. So sometimes your flesh will fail. It will fail when you're not affirming constantly who, 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 who you are in, according to the redemptive work of Jesus. So look, look at this. Go, go with me real quick. Are you all having a good time? Now, I'm, I'm almost to, to what I, where I want to take you. I'm going to take you to a place, hopefully. Hopefully, you get something out of what well, I'm just getting ready to say. Because I don't have much time left. I only got another two and a half hours before my plane leaves. Hallelujah. But here's, here's the deal. Look at, look at this with me real quick. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 11.3. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. How many know the enemy of your soul is crafty? He's a crafty character, right? The devil's crafty. So your minds, remember, you're a spirit. You're not a mind. God doesn't communicate through your mind. He communicates through your spirit. Your spirit's the, the inward candle, the, 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 the lamp of the Lord. This is where the Lord searches out and unloads the truth of, of who he is in you and through you and for you. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Jesus. The simplicity that is in Jesus. That's why I like to tell people, <laughs> I'm a simple gospel preacher. I, I tell people, I'm not smart enough to be complicated. There's something so beautiful about the simplicity of the Lamb of God. He became sin so I could become righteous. He announced your sins be forgiven you. And in the process of repositioning the mindset of the man with the truth of a spirit that can be reconciled to God, faith was present to receive. Rise, take up your bed and walk. You've got you've to be established. Affirm those things constantly. Because it will position you to receive miracles. It positions you to get what you're really after. It positions you to receive everything the Father has for you. It's the simplicity that is in Christ. Now go with me to, to Romans 8, okay? I've just shared this thought now one time, okay? And uh, I, like, I like this thought. I, I want you to hear me out, okay? But this is, this is really what I came here for today, what I'm getting ready to say, okay? I had to set it up because being established in righteousness is a key to the invitation to go where you really want to go. To do what you really want to do. To receive what you really want to have. Righteousness, the simplicity of Christ, the finished work of Jesus, is, is the key. And you affirm it now constantly. You don't let your mindset escape the truth. Your sins are forgiven you. You, you, you can't leave that realm. You stay in the realm of redemption. You stay in God's view of you, which is in Christ. You believe that what, you know, God did for you in Christ usurps any other voice. Now, here's something cool. 
Go with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 10. Are you all ready? Here we go. Look at, look, I'm going to look at the screen. <clears throat> verse 10. And if Christ is in you, pause. If Christ is in you, how, how many believe if Christ is in you is good news? Yes, it's the mystery that was hidden. Christ is in you. Look at, look at Paul writes. If Christ is in you, the body is dead. What a bummer. Because of sin. Huh? If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. Do you know, Jesus' residence in you is not in the, in, in the physical flesh. Jesus' residence in you is in your spirit. You're one spirit with the Lord, the Bible teaches. But when Christ is in you, your body still is dead because of sin. That's not your sin. That's the sin of Adam. How many of you know that your body is the house? How many of you know that the Bible teaches the outward man, the body, is perishing? How many, how many like that Bible verse? I don't. But how many know it's the truth? Your cells are dying. You're getting older. You look in the mirror and say, who are you? <laughs> no, you're huh? If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. Adam's sin had an influence on you in your spirit and in your soul and in your body. Jesus redemptively came to recreate your spirit with his life and nature. But your soul has to be renewed to what Jesus speaks in your spirit. Okay? But how do you change the body? Because it says, if Christ is in you, the body is dead. Because it's, it's perishing. You know, you may get 120 years. God bless you. Go for it, you know. You may get 110, you may get, I don't know, 75 or whatever. I, I don't know. None of us know, right? We got a call last night, my wife and I. Heidi's uh, dad is in the hospital. He, we just were, was with him and celebrated his 90th birthday. and He's had congestive heart failure and different things. and um, So all the sisters are making these decisions and what, what to do or not do or these kind of things. And... But I was thinking, even flying up here this morning, you know, uh, my father-in-law, what a, what a champion, what a, what a great man. But you know what? The, the, the body still has an influence from Adam's sin. Yeah. And whether, whether the body, he, he's, he, he'd prefer heaven than the earth right now. That's what he tells me, you know. But I don't know what God's purposes and plans are. We're speaking the word and trusting Jesus for his perfect plan to unfold. But all of us come to the day when your body says, I think I had enough here. How many understand? Huh? Your body is dead because of Adam's sin. But look at the next phrase. But the spirit. Now notice this is capital S. Do you know when the Bible was written, there wasn't capital punctuation. It was just all thing and translators made something like the Holy Spirit or small s, the human spirit. I want you to think with me with a small s for my thought, okay? 
If Christ is in you, the body is dead of, because of sin. But the spirit, the human spirit, the human spirit is life because of righteousness. Why would Jesus give somebody the revelation of righteousness? Because righteousness in your spirit is attached to life. And the life of God in your human spirit can transform the body that is dead because of sin. It can interrupt Satan's attacks, Satan's strategies, so you can really fulfill the assignments fully God has. I personally believe that when Jesus spoke to this man, your sins be forgiven you. I believe Jesus wanted to establish the truth that his spirit is righteous. So the victory of life can prevail in his physical body, which was paralyzed. Wherever you're paralyzed in life, it doesn't have to be a physical thing. It can be an emotional thing. You may be paralyzed with fear, worry, anxiety. You may be just, you just may be, you know, have a paralyzed worldview that everything's going to hell in a handbasket kind of thing, which sometimes visits my mindset. And I've got to arrest it with the revelation. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And I'm in the earth arena right now to announce the news that changes everything. Because even though Christ is in you, your body's dead because of sin, Adam's sin. But my spirit, my human spirit is life because of righteousness. The righteousness of God in Christ can usurp every strategy of hell in the body. Look at the next verse goes on. Your spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from... Now, you know this verse. We preach this huh, to get healed in our physical bodies. But it's, a, it's, it's based on the revelation that your spirit is life because of righteousness. This is why I love to, you know, affirm constantly, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. My sins are forgiven me. My spirit is life because of righteousness. And now the same spirit that dwells in me, he's going to quicken my mortal body. That's not talking about your body in the future. That's, you know, um, that, that's, that's a body now. He's going to quicken your mortal body. Not your resurrected body, your mortal body. And he's going to do it by the Holy Spirit in your spirit. Because in your spirit, there's life. Because you know you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Give the Lord a shout, somebody. Hallelujah. This this is what I do now when I'm under attack. When I feel paralyzed. Whether it's a physical problem. let's Let's say a problem in my home with my family, with my physical body with the ministry whatever we all we got challenges right but what i do is i don't try to fix what's wrong what i do is affirm constantly the truth i am the righteousness of god in christ and from the spirit which is life because of righteousness i invite in the holy spirit to prevail He's going to quicken what's wrong. He's going to make alive what's wrong. He's going to quicken my mortal body if there's sickness, disease, these kind of things. 
But he's going to change and fix and rearrange the circumstances in my life because I am established in a position of righteousness. And this is the truth for you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Your sins have been forgiven you. And when you come to the place to let your spirit just be life because of righteousness, not because of any other thing, but because of righteousness. This is why the teaching of your personal righteousness in Christ Jesus is so, so important and so profound because then it gives access for the Spirit to do a work to raise you up and He'll give life to your mortal body. He'll give life. He'll give life. Go with me to Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. This is what Paul says. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. What I affirm constantly is the truth of what Jesus did. That usurps any other opinion of man. Any other worldview, Any other world system thinking. Any other, any, any other voice. Any other thought. I affirm constantly the revelation of what God has done for me in Christ. My spirit is life. Because of righteousness. And Jesus made me right. And because of that, the Spirit's going to quicken into the Spirit's going to work and be assigned sovereignly, supernaturally, just with my utterance, my voice, my speaking, my praying, my decreeing. Stay in the realm of the righteousness of God. What things were gained to me, those I have counted lost for Christ. Yet, uh, verse 8, yet, yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of... This is revelation knowledge, not head knowledge. This is revelation knowledge. Epinosis. It's the revelation knowledge of Jesus. He's Lord. And He is your righteousness. He is your righteousness. The revelation knowledge of Jesus. I affirm it constantly. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. It's rubbish. It's nuts and bolts that need to be trashed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need, to, you need to carry it away, huh? It's rubbish. I gained Christ. The revelation in my spirit. Next verse. And be found in him. Not having my own righteousness. It's not self-righteousness. See, my righteousness has nothing to do with what I do. My righteousness has everything to do with what I believe. But what I do changes when I affirm these things constantly. Good works follow me. My life transformation is in the revelation of the righteousness of Jesus. It's not self-righteousness, which is done through your obedience to be a do-gooder to the law. But that which is through faith in Christ, when he says your sins are forgiven you. You say, you've got to be kidding me. And you weren't even asking for it. You weren't even looking for it, but he wants you to believe it. You don't even think you needed it. The righteousness, which is from God by faith. Give the Lord a shout. Amen. Hallelujah. God's a good God. Hallelujah. An invitation to everything you wanted. 
comes with the reality of receiving the truth. Your sins are forgiven you. My spirit is life because of righteousness. And from the reality of believing that, I tell you, the Holy Spirit will work in this mortal body. And quicken this thing and keep me around for my whole journey here. Hallelujah. No matter what attack from hell comes against me or whatever attack from hell comes against you or your life or your marriage or your finances or anything. Whatever attack, you and I are the righteousness of God in Christ. Our spirit is life because of righteousness. We can pray in tongues. Hallelujah. We can pray in the spirit. We can speak the truth of God's word. And he is prevailing. Are you glad you came to church today? Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Pastor Tom, why don't you come up and help me here? Hallelujah. Let's just get rid of all the nonsense that's in our mindset. Okay, let's throw out the nuts and bolts that's uh, in our mindsets, in our thinking. Put your hands over your heart. Say this with me. Say, thank you, Jesus. I receive of your love. I receive of your grace. Thank you that life is in my spirit. My spirit is life because of righteousness. I am the righteousness of God. I affirm these things constantly. I affirm these things constantly. Jesus said, my sins have been forgiven. I believe it. I have an invitation to be in Christ. I receive everything I need for my life today in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You meet every need. I am healed. I'm whole. I'm blessed. I'm prosperous in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a shout. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.